Welcome to a brand new episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Brand uh, new. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Not improved. Merely brand new. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, hey, I'm your host, Nate Larkin, here uh, in the sterling and uh, high-tech uh, environment of the Flyby West Music Studios in Brentwood, Tennessee. With ben Newton is for the third week engineering. Yes, he is. The console. Amazing. We are missing Mondo, uh, but not that much. <laughs> no, we don't. Oh, you, you can only say that if he's here. Okay. <laughs> he's gone. Now it's me. No, no. We're, <laughs> no. we're really missing Mondo. He will He will return. He promises us he will return. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Good. I hope. Yes, please. But in the meantime. Mondo, come back. That's right. Newton is doing a sterling job here at the board at Controls and joining us, as always, from the left coast, the Commodore himself, Aaron Porter. Well, boys, we are in the thick of the uh, Christmas season, are we not? Yeah, let's see. Yeah. Uh, but when this goes up, Christmas will be less than a week away. Uh-huh. All right. Wow. So what's Christmas looking like in the Larkin house right now? You know, this is great. I'm a grandfather now. And uh, that means everybody comes to my house. I don't have to pack the kids up in the car and make a long drive somewhere the way we used to have to do. So I'm looking forward to it. Kids and grandkids and the house will be full and the tree will be there. And uh, we've got a young grandchild who's uh, just a little over a year old. He's kind of in the grabby stage. So the tree's going to be up on a table. I forget about that. I totally remember those days with our kids. Yeah, yeah. Just every ornament from about <laughs> two feet down yeah. gone. <laughs> Ridiculous. I'm trying to and wrap then my. Having, having to change diapers with tinsel and poop. Nothing worse than that. That's just you don't need glitter poop. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to wrap my head my head around Nate calling Charlie Hansy. <laughs> <laughs> Say there, little Hansy. I know that's what I call Nate. So, uh... <laughs> uh, well, I I am excited about Christmas because for the first time since I can remember, and I'm I'm sure when our first was a baby, I was allowed to shop, but my wife always goes ahead and does all the Christmas shopping for the kids, and it totally bums me out. Um, hold on one second. Can I call you back in just a couple minutes? Sure. Okay, you're now on the podcast, by the way, because the speakerphone is next to the microphone. Okay. Okay, bye. <laughs> Sorry, I, I wanted to talk to that person a lot. And now all of you got to. I can edit that out. <laughs> Anyways, right. so my wife uh, always does the Christmas shopping, even though I say, no, nah, I really want to. Like, that gets me in the Christmas spirit, just getting to be out there looking for toys and stuff for the kids. And this year, we did about a third together, and I got to do the rest by myself, and it was as fun as I always dreamed it would be. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, it's great. I love trying to figure out presents that are unexpected, that I know is going to blow the kid's mind. Yeah. It's just so fun. Uh, so I've been having a great time playing Santa Claus. That's fantastic. That's yeah. Yeah, I you know I'm at the stage I, I love we got we got we got you know the grandkids are in the range from from one to sixteen. Once you get to 16, 15, 14, 15, 16, basically what the, what those what those boys want is money. 
Yeah. It's kind of boring, you know. It's like, all right, here's the envelope. You don't have to. Right. Yeah, right. But with those five-year-olds and the eight-year-old, yeah, that's a blast. Yeah. Now, Newton, this is going to be uh, your last Christmas before yeah. the child arrives. Yeah. How's Brooke feeling? She is, uh, so we are almost said 37 weeks, and that is not right. We're about seven weeks from arrival date. Right. So I think she's 30. By the time this goes up, we're probably maybe 35 weeks, Mm. I think is about right. Uh, Maybe 36. So she is in that what we have been told is that third trimester that feels like first trimester tiredness kind of phase. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we've survived our... uh, baby showers nice um which i mean they were they were fun but it's still it's a it's a lot to manage i missed the the one that you had just for the guys a lot of people of did yeah <laughs> it, was, it was fun we uh we hung out at uh, a friend's church and played some poker and watched some football and nice uh, some guys gave me some gifts and it was it was cool um it's nice especially right now for me um it's just been I, I last night I referred to my last two months as just a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. And it's nice being reminded through my friends that God looks after me and God still cares for me. Yeah, because uh, it's been hard to remember. Um, but Wait, so your your text about a dumpster fire was not an actual dumpster fire. No, no, but it felt like I thought like you it. actually had a dumpster fire last week. <laughs> no, no. It was poetic. It's not an idiom. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar with this idiom at all. Yeah. But okay, uh, I'm catching up now. Yeah, sorry. No, we didn't actually have a dumpster fire, although if we had, I could have contributed some things to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I mean, it's been a really, like, this 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 season for me where um, through discomfort I'm being reminded of how much God cares for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, okay, I'll take it. I'd prefer to learn other ways, but I can learn this way, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but yeah, we're uh, we're getting ready. We're picking out paint colors, and uh, I finally have told Brooke, you know, whatever shade of gray you want to go with, I will paint it. Let's just, <laughs> let's pick one. I don't care what fabric we pick out. Just let's, can we pick one, please? <laughs> um, so can I just go ahead and assemble furniture and do, do what I know how to do? Um, but, but yeah, it's good. We're, we're excited. Uh, you know, I think that we're probably going to get a lot of gifts for the baby that are cloaked as gifts for me or for Brooke. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm cool with that because it's money that I don't have to spend. Sure. Um, right, so, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's really interesting, Newton. Before you move on, I'm I'm picturing you doing this with your wife, picking out the colors and all that. Yeah, and I don't I don't know her, but uh, in the love languages book, right. they don't mention that that really is a love language. Uh, having an opinion is a love language for many wives. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. It's, that's true. it's a bizarre thing. Or other ones are like, oh great, you don't care, then I get total control. Right. So it's definitely not every woman. Yeah. So which one is Brooke? Is this part of her she, love language? Um she wants you to care? Yeah, I mean and I, I joke and say like, okay, just whichever. We've got it like whittled down to three that we both think are pretty cool. You know, and I've expressed my opinion about I me and my opinions are never that far from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never far from my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, she she likes it when I am engaged. She likes it when I am opinionated to a point. And, and you know, there are certain things that I've learned uh, 
where my certain areas where my opinion is not as welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we've just we figured that out through walking together. Like yeah. I've, I try to not give tons of advice about how I would run her business. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, that's her business. Yeah. And yeah. if she asks, I can offer input, but yeah. it's input. It's not instruction. Yeah. And she's not all up in your business. No, no, she, oh, shit, she wants nothing to do with the crag <laughs> and how we operate. <laughs> um, now, how yeah. long have you guys been married? 14 years. Yeah. Be 15 in February. Wow. Yeah. You wow. laid down a solid relational foundation before bringing the youngster aboard. Yeah, and we've been married for a while. Yeah. So, you were... <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, you were just afraid people would think that's why you got married, so you decided to wait this long. Right, you know, right. That way it's really clear. Yeah. And you don't hear that. They only got married because she was pregnant. Right. Yeah. Good, yeah. good for you. Good thinking. Very yeah, but it, it actually, we, we've, we have talked about that, that it's been a really good thing for us as we deal with what's labor and delivery going to look like. And yeah, how yeah. are we going to get, you know, I don't have any doubts about the longevity of our relationship. Right. Or, in, you know, anything like that. Can we get along? Can we survive through you know, difficult, trying times. Mm-hmm. We've walked a long way. Yeah. yeah. You know? I, I think you mentioned this before, but I can't remember. Are you doing this at home? Are you going to have a midwife, a doula, uh, water birthing, hypnobirthing? We what, are. What's happening? That's a lot of questions. It's a trapeze um, involved. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's just for the entertainers. <laughs> um, um, no, we are actually, we're going to a place uh, south of Nashville uh, called The Farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're using their midwives, and we are having uh, the baby at one of their birthing cabins. Uh, so it's basically a home birth at somebody <laughs> else's home is, is what we're doing. That's, that is the strangest thing I've ever yeah. heard. But awesome sounding, but odd. You're it going is. to the farm where they're going to put you in a cabin, Yeah. send yeah. out a midwife. Well, I mean, we as we've talked about it, we have come to the conclusion that women have been having babies for at least dozens of years. Yes. You know? <laughs> And her body knows what to do and knows how to deliver that baby and how to how to go through that. So we're going to trust her body and, uh, you know, just kind of do it that way and just, you know, have Are the you experience. Guys gonna, you going to eat the placenta? It's going to happen? You going to fry that thing up? Uh, well. Why did we have to go here? Okay. But see, but I, uh, I love okay. this because it creeps people out. We... <laughs> <laughs> We do plan to do placenta encapsulation. Okay. Um, and it, oh, that's right. That. You mentioned and that. It's that's the little being, pills. It's not being served with eggs and toast, you know? <laughs> it basically... You're not wrapping the sausage meat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. But no, I mean, it's a, it's a medical thing, and there are benefits for it. And so, yeah, we plan to do that. Okay. Um, and Good. I, this is another week where I wish we had a video podcast so you so you fine listeners could see Nate cringe as I talk about this with delight. Um, uh, yeah. A show where you can you can talk about <laughs> masturbation without flinching. Pornography, yes. Placenta, no. no Placenta's no. out. There is a that line, is and we just crossed it. Uh, okay. Yeah. So hard. I left just turn. love that this is happening in the South. I mean, I yeah. I know people. Uh, and up in San Francisco and Berkeley, I can't think of any friends in Los Angeles that have eaten their placenta, but definitely in Northern <laughs> California, but I didn't picture it as a Southern thing. Yeah. So I'm proud of you, Newton, I well, think. Yeah, I, yeah, it, it's all Brooke, meaning I, I will not be taking these pills, but there's okay. a, but there's a, there's a, a medical benefit, like a, a hormonal and, and maternal benefit for, okay. for doing that. So, right. I mean, it's a, it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's true. It's on the internet. (laughs) 
So uh, let's see. Let's see your transition now, Nate. We got a special guest today. Wait, I do. What, wait, what? I do. You I, got a transition? I do. I don't know if it's a transition, but I do want to say something. I, okay. I talked with. We all know Thomas McKenzie, and he's yeah. been on the podcast. Um, I texted him. He's a he's a friend. Um, this has been a particularly hard Advent season for me. Mm-hmm. It's just there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, if 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 life is a fight, I am Sonny Liston with Muhammad Ali over the top of me right now. Mm-hmm. And his Advent book has been wonderful. His really? Advent book is called The Harpooner. And he did not ask me to talk about this to our dozens of listeners. But <laughs> it's fantastic. It's the first Advent devotional I've done. It's something I'm trying to yeah. to do. And I love it. It's been like this little dose of hope, this dose of, of kindness every day. Oh, wow. The um, Harpooner. The Harpooner. Is it, av- is it available on Kindle? It is available on Kindle. I don't know how much it costs, but you can afford it. And I'm not talking to you, Aaron. I'm talking to you, everybody that's listening. Yeah. And if you can't afford it, I would say let me know and I'll find a way to get you the four or five bucks that it costs. Okay. Because it's, it's great. Um, I, I love the way Thomas writes. He writes kind of like he talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like hearing him talk. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, if 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 you're looking for, and it'll be late getting to you because when this shows up, but if you're looking for an Advent devotional, even just the last week, yeah, check it out. Yeah, it's it's really it's good, it's o- good. Awesome, awesome. So that's the best I can do in terms of transition. Well, speaking of new material, there's new musical material also available, and this is the second week we've been talking about it, but. Uh, but Aaron, no, we, didn't, we didn't tell people how to get it last week, did we? No, no, no. We want to keep a that big tease. Yeah, I want to keep that a big secret. <laughs> you go down to the third tree. Yeah. Now, how do you how do you uh, how do you get? How would one? Uh, uh, the the easiest way is just to go to noisetrade.com, mm-hmm. which we talked to Derek Webb about that a f- number of months ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Noise Trade. And you can just search artists and type in Aaron Porter, and it'll come up. It is free to download. People can tip if they want. They can tip afterwards. You can listen and be like, wow, doesn't sound like you put a lot of effort into this. <laughs> Dollar tip for you. Uh, or you can just take the music. It's fine. So, yeah, noisetrade.com, probably forward slash Aaron Porter, or just go there and do an artist search. Okay. And i got to say, Aaron is as uncomfortable with self-promotion. As you are with placenta encapsulation. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's That's so true. right. It yeah. gives me the exact same creepy feeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so, we, we've got a we've got a great guest on board. Uh, should 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 we actually let the listener peek behind the curtain and let them know that we actually did record this interview? Uh, last week. I think you just did. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> uh, when and we did not have uh, all the, um, we didn't have the board completely figured out. Yeah. So we recorded it using different equipment. So if yeah. the, if the if the sound kind of yeah. changes when we go into the interview, and, that's because. And if if I happen to disappear because <laughs> there was no way to record me. Oh, oh that's right. Yes. Yeah. yes. So yes, if uh, if Aaron suddenly dies, is no longer a part of the podcast. That's why. Right. He does not dislike Scotty Smith. Uh, the studio disliked me last week. Okay. So, um, so yeah. Scotty Smith coming up. I'll be excited to hear what you talked about since I was in radio silence while you were doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, let's take a quick break. And uh, are we are we doing another song? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's play Let's play another song from On the from, uh, uh, yeah, Of the Ground. Of the Ground, yes. Yeah. 
wonderland's broken These words are just tokens Of life that we knew before we tried These bodies are restless This romance is listless Fall in love once, then it dies And there's nothing left here Except what we've made, dear So don't be afraid of the cracks in the walls Just turn around, dear Monk Podcast, or oh, we've got uh, some special guests with us in the studio today. Kai Wilhelmsen, the man of a thousand voices, is joining us. Thank you. Yes. And, and, lot, and lots of consonants. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. He purchased some extra, uh, extra consonants. Uh, yes, consonants thank you. Are us. Yes. And, um, and then a guy who I cannot believe has not been on the podcast yet. Really? But he's here. Uh, a guy as responsible as anybody for the birth of the Samson Society. Yeah. Scotty Smith is here. I'll gladly take that blame. Oh, man. <laughs> and so I will tell some more of that story. But before we do, just to kick off our conversation, I want to read a piece uh, that I came across the other day on the Key Life website. Actually, it was a couple of weeks ago. Written by uh, a friend of ours, Eric Guzman, uh, part of the uh, uh, the Key Life team that, uh, that does the uh, Steve Brown, etc. Mm-hmm. podcast down there. Yeah. Eric, what a great guy. And so he's been doing a series on addiction. This is the, the, the fourth in a four-part series, and it's titled uh, The Gift of Addiction. We're going to have Eric on the podcast here in a few weeks, but I want to jumpstart it because I just saw it, thought this was so good. All right, here's what Eric says. So, you did it again, huh? You promised you wouldn't, but you did. What was it? 
Did you wake up still drunk, wondering how you got home? Was it gambling? Was it another night alone with the computer? Maybe you weren't alone. Maybe you were with him again. Was it drugs? Was it rage let loose on your family because they aren't as committed to God as you are and you just couldn't hold it in one second longer? Is another promise to change really going to turn out any different? Look where all your promises got you. You're too ashamed to get help. And God? Well, you prayed, even begged for him to take away your thorn in the flesh, but that obviously didn't make much difference. What would you say if I told you that your addiction is actually a gift from God? What if it's actually the key to your transformation? How can redeeming our pain instead of running from it help us to see lasting change in our lives? Well, it starts with correctly identifying our problem. You see, pain isn't the problem. In fact, some of the worst pain in our lives comes from avoiding the pain that's already there. That's how we ended up with our addictions in the first place. Our addictions aren't the problem. Sure, they cause problems, but they aren't the problem. The real problem is that we are creatures made for union with God who are suffering in self-imposed isolation. We are broken people in a withered world at war with the very source of our healing. It's tragic. The problem at the root of all our problems has actually been solved, but we reject the solution at every turn. We have unlimited access to the source of all life, goodness, and peace. God designed us to live filled with himself, like plants filled with water, and his spirit waits for us to drink him in. Yeah, things were a bit dicey there for a while after the fall. God's image walked out on him. We went to war. Living independently left us wilted and in need of transformation. But we have been reunited by God's grace. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. That's 2 Corinthians 5.19. There's no greater reconciliation than God and man as one. Jesus is the reunion of creation with creator. So many of us live like we're still in war with God. But the simple fact is, the war is over. We can come home and it will be like we never left. Jesus said, the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Anyone who wants in can be a part of this body at peace with God, filled with the Spirit. The transcendence we long for is ours if we will only believe it. Remember, Jesus told the Father, The glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. It really is finished. We can get on with living in union with God the way we were supposed to. Get that right. And transformation is the natural consequence. Just like parched plants stand up straight when they're watered. God fixed the mother of all problems and he did it with no help from us. You'd think we'd rejoice and run to him for healing. But 
we don't. Why? Because turning to God for help requires that we accept our helplessness. Rather than seeing his salvation as a peace offering, we see it as an assault on our pride. We desperately want to save ourselves, and that desire is at the heart of every addiction from booze to religion. That's why pagans and religious people alike both despise grace. In our self-imposed alienation from God, we think it's up to us to rise above our suffering or sin. We think we can control when and where we get relief. We look for transcendence in the next bottle, the next achievement, the next sexual encounter, the next purchase, the next distraction, the next hit, or even the next commitment to holiness. We become addicted to seeking the transcendent on our own terms, and our lives become unmanageable. Paradoxically, that is the gift of addiction. Remember, sobriety is simply embracing reality, and nothing shoves painful reality in our faces like addiction. Addiction gets worse the more we try to manage it. It gets stronger and ratchets up the pain until it's unavoidable. <clears throat> Above all the lies we tell ourselves, addiction screams the truth. You are not in control. Some fight it until they're forced to finally face the reality of their powerlessness in death. But not the addicts at rock bottom. The burned-out self-saviors get to realize the truth of our weakness before we die. Our broken lives are proof that we can't escape pain, and we sure as hell can't fix ourselves. Follow the trail of wreckage from all our futile efforts, and it will lead to a loving God who offers what has always been ours, himself, the water that quenches the raging addict's thirst, the transcendence we look for everywhere else when he was with us the whole time. His spirit and his scriptures assure us that he is the only one truly in control, and that is not something to be feared or fought. In his sovereignty, he promises to fill us with his life, to cause us to grow, and to work all things together for good. Yes, our addictions wreck us, but in God's hands, we're wrecked for life. So, come. Come drunk, hungover, come high, come angry, come self-righteous, come scared and shamed, come hurting, come lonely. Don't make any more promises you know you can't keep. Just come. You won't have to go far because he's right there with you. All it takes is a nod in his direction or an open hand, and the tears will flow out as his spirit flows in. You can stop trying to perfect yourself because Jesus has given you the gift of his perfection to call your own. You can rest in his ever-present care. You can stop running from your pain and instead enter into it to find that pain is the place where you will encounter God in the most profound ways. Come to him and transformation will happen in his presence. All you have to do is trust him. Wasn't that beautifully mm. put? Yeah. 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 Thank you and good night. <laughs> 
Well, like I said, we're going to have uh, Eric on the podcast in a few weeks. He's pretty uh, tied up with pre-holiday recording schedules. We couldn't get him on right away. But I didn't want to let another week go by without passing this along to our uh, listeners. And when we come back, I want to have a conversation with a man who opened my eyes to the truth here that, that Eric so uh, beautifully expressed, the man who God used really to introduce me to the gospel. Yeah, uh, in all irony in my 40s. <laughs> so we'll be back in a moment here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Okay, we're good. Okay, and we're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. I'm going to tell you, 16 years ago, my life took a big turn. That's uh, when I walked into my <coughs> first 12-step meeting. At just about the same time that I walked into Christ Community mm. Church, God had somehow arranged to move Allie and me from South Florida to Middle Tennessee. And, um, and, and here I was, a guy who'd grown up in church, a guy with a seminary degree, a guy who'd been a pastor, but a guy so deeply steeped in moralism that I had never actually glimpsed the gospel. And I got to hear it from the mouth of a man named Scotty Smith, who's with us today. Scotty, mm. thank you. Nate, a joy to be here for more than one reason. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scotty is the founding pastor of Christ Community Church, now Pastor Emeritus, and serving the wider church, um, doing, filling in just teaching every place uh, he goes. Come January, you're going to be teaching at three seminaries in one month. Yeah, yeah, that's it. January is a busy <laughs> month, but you know it's great to be with the young bucks and buckets. Yeah, to yeah. Get some of this gospel in them sooner rather than later. Oh man, <laughs> wish I could have heard you during my seminary years. I really wish I could have. Uh, but God always had a plan, right? Yeah. Right. And here we are. So uh, Scotty and I have the opportunity from time to time to share together at conferences. Yeah. And, um, and uh, since we live in the same part of the country, we sometimes get to fly together. So we've had some conversations. It's good. And I know some of Scotty's story and, and uh, you really have, uh, you've allowed the gospel to come not just across you, Scotty, but through you. And you mm -hmm. understand that, that your story is not the story, but it's a part of the story, and it's a way God has incarnated uh, the truth. So um, for those of our listeners who don't know you, aren't familiar with your story, tell us. Uh, give us a thumbnail. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, grew up in uh, <clears throat> this redneck Tar Heel accent comes from North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I am gladly a boy from the Tar Heel State, but grew up in a church assuming the gospel. Yeah. I often say that the faith story I'm in, our church was neither conservative or liberal. It was just Southern. <laughs> just go to church and do it. And yeah. so my coming to faith experience happened as a senior in high school when a friend of mine uh, was converted uh, at a FCA event, Fellowship Christian Athletes, and drugged me to a Billy Graham movie. Mm -hmm. And there I heard a part of the gospel that my heart had ever heard before. Certainly heard that language, but yeah. had never I mean, I'd heard Jesus died for me, but I assumed I knew what that meant. But anyway, so senior in high school was playing um, in a rhythm and blues band, traveling up and down the East Coast, playing fraternity <laughs> parties uh <-huh. laughs> my whole senior year in high school. In that 
envelope of virtually having everything I thought I wanted is when the gospel, a part of the gospel, first made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a bunch of years, even up to the time that Nate, you and I met, <clears throat> I'm the guy who, as a freshman in college, uh, felt an internal call to ministry, but told God in that moment, September of 1968, I would never go to seminary. <clears throat> I would never be a pastor. Mm-hmm. So um, I've eaten those words more than once. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think a big part of my story that really helps to find even while we're sitting here today, when I did go to seminary, actually a professor of mine at, at North Carolina was getting his PhD in classics, and he told me, you're supposed to go to seminary, and you're supposed to go to Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chance of that, of course, is kind of odd in a secular university for a Greek professor to tell you you're going to seminary. But it was there at Westminster Seminary in 1975 when I met a man that rocked my world named Jack Miller, who three years into his own spiritual journey had been a recovering religious addict, mm-hmm. a man that resigned from his position as a church planter and professor of seminary because, by God's grace, according to him, he became disgusted with his own self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. So I got to show up in a seminary classroom with a man that's foaming at the mouth with the gospel. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm hearing him long before I am believing him. I'm so drawn to someone that is giving me the lyric of the gospel that I already heard, but he 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 lived the music of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, even in the earlier part of this you know, gathering, and I'll be real quick to kind of hasten on to let us make this a conversation here, not a monologue. <laughs> Uh, You just talk away. Well, in the opening piece, which was so great about um, the theme of addiction, and you know, I kept hearing through that whole opening piece uh, Jack Miller's byline, which became the double cheer ups. Here's here's my (laughs) seminary professor saying, Scotty, the gospel is two cheer ups. Cheer up. You are a whole lot more broken and messed up than you can possibly imagine. Concomitant with that cheer up, you're also so much more welcome, beloved, and accepted just as you are than you ever dreamed or hoped. For Jack, that was the gospel he lived out before me. I never saw a man so free and able to acknowledge his screwed upness Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. profoundly committed to these words of hope. So, you know, my story intersects around watching a very dangerous man. Show and tell the gospel. And actually, Nate, even thought about coming here today. A part of when you and I intersected, you know, I'm being mentored by this remarkable gospel Yoda, and I am drawn to him. And I, we start Christ Community Church, and some of my most impassioned preaching was to myself with a lot of people listening in. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and so, you, you know, we showed up kind of at the same time in that crazy community when God's bringing all these people together. And a lot of people assumed that I had fully, fully engaged and had bought in with the story when I'm just <laughs> preaching it because I think if this is true, it does change everything. Yeah, huh? yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I think in, in, that, in that wonderful world, and that's the same stream I still swim in, I know more than ever the double cheer ups. Yeah. yeah Not really. I was, but I am yeah, yeah, so yeah. much more broken and mm. filled with unbelief than I can possibly imagine. Yeah. yeah but I'm so really. much more loved than I ever hoped. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, there's, you know, I, I just think of, that's a thumbnail of, 
you know, kind of a religious guy coming to truly know I will go to heaven when I die because at a Billy Graham movie, I believe this gospel. Yeah. But knowing that was like even the smallest hangnail of the gospel yeah. yet mm. to be discovered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'd love uh, for you to talk some about? Um, it's very difficult, in my experience, to live as an honest, uh, authentically broken Christian rejoicing in the gospel. Yes. And at the same time, be in professional ministry. or Right? Yes. Uh the uh, and if you're like me, I'm I'm a I'm a performer anyway. Absolutely. And I'm a, I'm a pleaser, right? And uh, so the, the urge uh, I don't think I mean I I had to leave the ministry if there was going to be any hope for me because I could never have gotten honest as a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that blew me away listening to you preach was how freaking honest yeah. you are capable of being in yeah. the pulpit. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I couldn't, I never could have done that. And it was, a, 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 and it gave me the courage yeah. to start being equally honest. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that. Yeah. Will you talk about yeah. the, the pressure to conform, to yeah. soften, to oh, talk gosh. about your sin in the past yeah. tense? To, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know, it's going to take us right back to this uh, gospel Yoda proof for 21 <laughs> years, <laughs> hunted by Fanny down. <laughs> Because even the very night we planted Christ Community Church, the night it was, uh, we constituted the church November 16th, 1986. Jack Hmm. Miller preached that sermon. Just as we were going out on the platform, Jack turned to me and said this, Nate. He said, uh, Scotty, watch out, or this church will be one of the most seductive and fulfilling mistresses you'll ever have in life. Let's go plant a church. Wow. So it was just like that. Utter, you know, Jack had known his own idol structure so well. Yeah, yeah. And had come to the freedom of full disclosure, the freedom of saying, you know, you'll you'll never be more helpful to the people of God, Scotty, than when you realize um, that it is all about the gospel. You're not the fourth member of the Trinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that the best thing you can do before this young church plant and moving forward is to make sure as you preach, everybody knows nobody needs this gospel more than you. Yeah. So I had that drilled into me. And at the same time, you see, Nate, I was fortunate enough to begin to have a group of friends who in seminary were as who is, were as arrogant and screwed up as me. Yeah. And we got to sit under some men like Jack and another amazing professor, Harvey Kahn, that were just brutally honest. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so, yeah, so it made it easier for me, and I don't take for granted for the fact that I have had something few men in seminary yeah. have enjoyed. Now, was Dan Allender among Dan them? was in that bunch. Dan yeah. was converted at seminary. See, Dan's story briefly. <laughs> so Dan, Dan is drugged to, and this, this fits in with Jack Well. Dan came to Westminster with Trimper Longman, his best friend. They went to high school together, oh. college together. They were getting ready to graduate from college, and... Uh, Dan said to Tripper, what are you doing next year? He said, I'm going to seminary. Dan said, what's a seminary? <laughs> said, well, it's a place where you go study God. He said, come with me. All right, here's an application. Uh, Tripper, what's a testimony? Oh, don't worry. I'll write a testimony for you. <laughs> so uh, a little collusion there that got Dan, but this is so awesome. So uh, when we were at Westminster, we had a, another, we had tons of remarkable th- professors, but there's a guy named Ray Dillard <coughs> who was a son of an alcoholic. And he saw in Dan, uh, just the, the the clear aura 
of addiction. Uh-huh. And he started pouring into Dan and really led Dan to Christ as a seminarian. Wow. And so, but the Jack Miller part where Dan comes in, Dan told me, he tells a story, he said, Scotty, when we were on campus, I saw Jack Miller across the room and I said, that's a dangerous man. I'll avoid him the whole time I'm at Westminster. <laughs> so Dan didn't get to know Jack until after we graduated. But that that's an example of, in God's grace, the envelope in which I you know, started seminary. And, and even though my posing and pretending did not really experience significant breakthrough into really about 10 years in the Christ Community Church. Yeah. Just fascinating. Wow, wow, wow. But I still have mm-hmm. a s- sneaky suspicion I'm not near as free as the father and Tim's yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I love, uh, it seems to me like uh, th- that you're um, you're growing in freedom. Yeah. And, and I'd, I've, I've wondered how much of that is the fact that you're not carrying the full-time weight of a congregation anymore, how much of it is the continuing work that you're doing in confession and healing and repentance. And Well, I think, I think, no, I, I think we all know there's some things that only come with time, but yeah. some things don't come with time because there are a lot of old fools running around. <laughs> so, uh, but I think for me, because, you know, having had the good gifts and the friends I have in life and in ministry that are committed to honesty, confessional way of life yeah. that no longer confuse penance with repentance. Right. Mm-hmm. Jack used to talk about repentance is just collapsing upon Christ. It's not renewing your dedication, throwing a new stick in the fire yeah. and promising you're never going to whack off again. Yeah. yeah. God right, right. forbid. Yeah. You know? yeah. But uh, so, so I think for me, mm-hmm. the disciplines of groaning and growing in grace are in place, and I still walk with a lot of those very same guys yeah. I started that journey with. Wow. And uh, we are addicts, we are lonely men that need each other, and we keep coming back to gospel sanity. That sounds like you were in the prequel to Samson Society before Samson Society. You know, I I think it's a great, great way of framing that. Absolutely. Prequel, and it's why... When Nate came in my world, and I will never forget when Allie used to bring you to those Tuesday morning Bible studies <laughs> on teaching the Romans, I often said you were truly just a visual, a human caricature of the most lost puppy I've ever seen in yeah. my life. I mean, just your fate, your body screamed. I'd like to think hope can be found somewhere. Yeah. Mm. I'd like to think that someone would even welcome me into the same room, yeah. much less God. Yeah. So the joy, Nate, I've had through the years of just watching you uh, explode in this story mm. and steward your story so faithfully. It's just a, a, it's such an honor to do this with you. Mm-hmm. Well, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I run out of words. I remember talking over the the possibility of a Samson Society with you and, and you just being so encouraging. And then passing all the many drafts of the society's charter <laughs> past your desk and coming back, you know, annotated or with encouragement. Well, what you did not know, let me jump in, what you did not know was, and this is just, I think we'd all, all four of us would agree, you know, we who seem to be in front of the next guy, yeah, right? Yeah. We're actually at the same place. So the work you were doing mm-hmm. was scaring the bejeebies out of me because where <laughs> you were going yeah. was basically saying, Scotty, there's an even more honest place to be. Yeah. So you're looking to me at some level of being a gospel mentor 
yeah. you know, which I was yeah. in yeah. weakness. That's who we are. But here you are taking on this whole amazing realm. You know, it was through that work. Again, you don't really know this is when I really began to look at my own sexual narrative and mm-hmm. take seriously. It was really after you started working on Samson stuff that I was able to finally with my friend Dan Allender articulate mm. my story of sexual abuse yeah. that mm. just had laid deep hidden and all the crazy way that I acted out to medicate that pain. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's like it's like you guys I mean the, what I see in my mind is a relay race. Yeah. And at some point the guy the two the two people running a relay race, the guy that is leading is actually behind. Yeah. Uh-huh. The guy that's leading is behind and he comes up to meet the man that's in front who is actually behind right well it's a journey at some point you line up yeah and when you're in front you're behind and when you're behind you're in front at some point you meet yeah Yeah, in the gospel it becomes a journey and one downmanship rather than (laughs) one down (laughs) yeah it's just because that you because really but not in a self-pity kind of way no 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 just the exact opposite it's like the freedom of saying uh i don't have to pose and pretend hallelujah i don't have to pose and pretend you know, the gospel, you know, in fact, if in any given moment God showed us everything about us, we would be overwhelmed in oh, terms of yeah. both in terms of our brokenness, but also our beauty. I don't think we can mm-hmm. stand mm-hmm. the sure. dazzling array of how delighted we are in right yeah, now. Yeah. It'll take yeah. a glorified yeah. heart. Yeah. But, yeah, I love the way you just described that because uh, to be in community with brothers where you have more and more freedom to be real, to be honest and in light of the gaze of this God of all grace. Yeah. I mean, nothing can compare to that. So I, I've got a, a practical, I, I, I like to think that I have practical questions and yes. then it takes me a long time to get to them. So <clears throat> a number of years ago, Nate and a group of guys came to you and said, we want to start a group in your church where we talk about how much we like porn and drinking and rage and all these common problems that yeah. we have. What was that like? Yeah. And for the pastor at a church now, Maybe a young church, yeah. you know, like Christ Community, I guess, was at the time. Yeah. What was that like? What did you walk through? Yeah. If you were talking to another pastor who had a guy like Nate that says, hey, we want to start this group and use the building and open up the floor to rigorous honesty. Yeah. Well, and here's where truly uh, I look at that chapter in downtown Franklin as God dropping a gospel bomb in Franklin, Tennessee. I mean, we all look back and say there was a season there where no one could take credit for anything because in describing what and and responding what you just said, you know, I'm showing up with a group of friends and we're simply saying, let's do two things. Let's talk a whole heck of a lot about this theology of grace and let's create a worship culture in which we can linger in it. Hmm. And just doing a couple of things. See, there were other types of Nates and alleys coming, asking the same kind of thing. This mm. whole world of artists. Can can artists mm-hmm. come to a place of being more real with one another and all the idle structures? So you, you watch this convergence of a lot of us hearing this gospel, having an environment in downtown Franklin where God just sovereignly created this envelope. So it wasn't as difficult for me to go there sure. as some guys, but because it has happened and because there are a web of relationships that poured out of that remarkable story, you know, more of us older fart types. I don't know why I'm looking at you. Mm. Yeah. I qualify. Mm. I'm there. Old, old gospel fart right here. 
we are more committed than ever than to do what we're doing. Yeah. You know, it's why I love to teach in seminaries and I work hmm. with young leaders to say, guys, the gospel is the only, only place you won't have to pose and pretend. Hmm. And please just start the journey. It's not get healthy and then go to, in ministry. No, start the journey of getting healthy, honesty, vulnerability, because that will serve you and God's people and the culture better than anything else. Hmm. So, you know, yeah. it really wasn't that difficult. And and I humbled when I say that, when a guy like Nick comes because, again, his zeal for that said, Lord, if this church could be known for anything, we want to be a place where there's honesty and reality. Hmm. And, uh, and I had no clue how to counsel people like Nate other than to say, I believe the gospel is going to give you what you need. Anyway, I can serve you, pull for you, you know, pray for you. I'm there. Yeah. yeah. And I was well, as clueless as he was. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes ignorance works out well. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, I have one last question for you, and I'm going to ask it on behalf of a number of guys. Uh, it seems as though there's been a haunting similarity in several of the conversations I've had during the last week to 10 days. Hmm. And I've talked with guys who have made a start in recovery that is not necessarily a gospel start. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they've experienced some freedom from their presenting problem, mm -hmm. typically lust. Yeah. Okay, It's given them hope that life could change. Yeah. And, but, but somehow they haven't been able to keep up momentum They've had uh, a slip or a relapse, mm. and either they or a spouse. I'm asking this also mm. on behalf of a spouse who was able to kind of go there and hang in because this time it really seemed like he meant business, right? Uh, but there's been a, a hiccup or more than a hiccup, right? And now, um, you know, the despair is closing in. Talk to that guy or that spouse. And what does the gospel say in that situation? Wow. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Well, you know, um, I would very much count myself. And if my wife were here uh, in that Legion community that has lived that story a lot, and it's not like that even Darlene and I, 43 years into our marriage, uh, the last 15, 16, 17, which have been the healthiest of those, it's not that we don't go to that place again. But the, but, but the gospel is God's perpetual welcome. The gospel mm -hmm. is a story of hope. There are things the gospel provides that are a legal foundation that says, I God will never love me more than he does in this moment, and he'll never love me less. There's got to be that for that individual and the spouse to come to understand that this is the ultimate refuge in the foundation where life is going to be lived. What does God think of us now in this moment? Because if there's any doubt about that, if there's degrees of not being able to appreciate his smile, his delight, then we are going to fall into the rededicating or rededications or our, our um, you know, our foolish ways of just trying to reform ourselves. So God's full bore acceptance is there. I've got to know that. That's got to be quickened by the Spirit. But I think it's back to where I love so much the, the pirate community here. We have to be together. Yeah. There's got to be this sense for that guy that just screwed up again and his wife that does not even know that she has the will to hope again. 
other sisters and brothers staying in that same story together. Yes. Because, uh, I mean, innumerable times my wife and I would have traded each other in for Diet Coke. <laughs> innumerable times I looked to do anything I could possibly do but stay in vocational ministry. Yeah. But, you know, again, the glorious haunting presence of Jack Miller, even after he died in 1996, just knowing that this is a story the Father's begun, he's going to bring it to completion. There is there is no exhausting of the hope of the gospel. Mm-hmm. There is only accessing more of its resources in the community of the broken and those that understand a good theology of grace. In the, in the world of the common grace experience that was so much a part of your story, of just good, straight-up, healthy, 12-step community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is our Father's world. You know, the church, hallelujah, does not have all the capital. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're in a kingdom story, not an ecclesiastical story. And a healthy hmm. church has a bigger vision of, look at look at good science, look at good medicine, look at good common grace communities like our 12-step ministries. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, some of the, you know, s- some of the most important learnings I've have gone through has not been through the lives and the resources of Christians. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to say that. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I'm glad that when I needed meds, I got the right meds. I'm yeah. glad when I needed a physical checkup. I, I, you know, yeah. I, I don't go to a dentist because he makes good fish signs and fillings. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm not looking for a plumber that can prescribe you know verses <clears throat> yeah. on my pipes under my house. Yeah, I want good work. So you know, mm-hmm. look for the resources of help and care. They're there, and God is the Father of all of them. Oh wow. So beautifully said. Well, Scotty, uh, I could talk with you for hours, but uh, sadly, regrettably, our time's already coming to close. Boy, uh, it has flown. Thank you so much thank you for coming. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. Thank, thank the world of pirate sanity. <laughs> I, I love traveling the country. I love going to seminaries I go to that have uh, Samson societies. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. awesome as I meet more and more seminarians that are not a strangers to what you do, Nate. Okay. Get, thank you for stewarding your story yeah. and God's story. All right. Well, that was it. That was Scotty Smith. We will be back in a moment here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. spent with you though I know they must end broken street light on the rue de Paris where I hide my sin come to me when the clock strikes midnight in the shadow of Saint Gervais There in the door, there on a moonless midnight, I will test the hand of grace. Well, 
Well, we are back. That was an awesome interview. I loved every moment of it. <laughs> well, the, the great irony is that actually by the time this goes live, Aaron, you actually will have listened to the conversation, and you will have had that. I'm, exact I'm no reaction. liar. Don't call me a liar. <laughs> I'm I'm prophetic. That's all. <laughs> okay, so Aaron is pathetic. We will. We'll, um, <laughs> we're going to be back again uh, next week. Although we will not record on Christmas Eve. I'm predicting, prophetically, I can, that we I will can not. guarantee I'm not. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and I, I think the schedule is a bit uncertain around New Year's, but let's let's not wait too long before we get back together and have another conversation. Uh, by the way, thanks to our our young and talented and hardworking executive producer Leanna Newby for uh, lining up guests for us and scrambling uh, to uh, accommodate what has been a somewhat erratic recording schedule. We're looking for that. And to if, down. if you have any thoughts on guests that you would like to hear interviewed or made to feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. via podcast, let us know. Uh, send us an email or start writing on the Facebook page. We want to see your words out there. Yeah. Uh, don't be shy. Don't be afraid. The email address is Pirate Monk Podcast at gmail.com. Or look us up on Facebook. And we will see you next time on the, the Pirate, Pirate Monk, Monk podcast. podcast. That's it. Yes. <laughs> hey. Son.